Derek Hunter podcast for the 14th of July 2022, right? Yeah, 22. It's uh, Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. That means it's almost Friday. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. The party only really exists because you guys are SVP'd, yes. So hang on. Help me know how many uh, Subway sandwiches to order. Eh, I didn't say I had a budget. For the party. I just said I was having a party. Anyway, I appreciate you downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff. Appreciate you stopping by every single day as you do. We're only growing because of you. So thank you for that. Also, don't forget if you want to enter the contest to win either a Mark Levin signed book or a Mike Huckabee signed book. They're up against each other. Just become a supporter of the program at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Derek in both cases, D-E-R-E-K, still some, it's weird, still getting emails from people. I assume by now people email me and it's deliberate that they misspell my name in the body of the email because my name is in the email. They had to spell it right to get the email address, but whatever. Uh, Go to those websites and all we ask is for uh, $5 a month to help food and clothe my children for the hours and hours and hours of entertainment and bonus shows and everything else that you get. So thank you so much for that. Uh, do yeah, I uh, think I, I'm not going to announce. Maybe tomorrow I'll announce what's going to go on next week. Anyway, let's uh, save that, put that away, and let's get started with the show. There is, of course, a lot going on today. It's one of those days where you know. I, I guess I shouldn't have made a plan. You sit there and you go, oh, I'm going to do this, and then of course, right? Before, you know, you sit there and you go, boom! Suddenly everything changes. Everything changes because we've got the uh, the new inflation numbers. 9.1%. 9.1% year-over-year inflation. Joe Biden is historic. He is. Oh, he's not just historic because of Kamala Harris and uh, incompetence, senility, and everything else that we know and love him for. It's because he's just god-awful at the damn job. He really is. All that Putin price hike stuff, Putin price hike, Putin price it's, it's the Biden price hike. 9.1% was higher than expected. Now, what's funny is the administration's running around going, let me just tell you, uh, inflation's going to be pretty high, but it's all because of gas prices. You see, it, ha- it factors in gas prices, and gas prices were high in June. So that's why it's high. It has nothing to do with us. Oh, uh, really? Has has nothing to do with you. So groceries being up 12% in the past year. It's, it's all just uh, the 9.1% is all gas. Now, gas is up year over year. There's no question about that. But I don't think that the uh, inflation numbers are all because of gas prices. Gas prices certainly hurt, but the uh, spending, the setting on fire of the money that you guys do, those sorts of things, they have a bit, because gasoline is up 59.9%, 60%. Energy in general up 41.6%. This is all Yahoo Finance numbers. 
Uh, new vehicles up 11.4%. Airline fares up 34.1%. Food and beverages up 10%. Wait a second. That's We don't eat gasoline. Last I checked, we don't eat gasoline. Although, you know, gasoline is so expensive and people can barely afford it that maybe we will start eating gasoline. Who knows? It might come to that point. Uh, used cars and trucks up 7.1%. Shelter, housing, rent, mostly, up 5.6%. Clothing up 5.2%. So when you sit there and you look at these numbers and you go, wait a second, the White House has been trying to prep us for inflation being high, but they're saying it's all because of gasoline. That might not be... It might be that the Biden administration isn't telling us the truth. Would you, could you, I know, I hope you were sitting down for that. Brian Dees, the uh, National Economic, he's the, uh, let's see, the director of the National Economic Council, Biden's chief of um, advice when it comes to economics. He tweeted out yesterday in preparation for these bad numbers, they knew it was coming. See, they're not, technically, I don't know if they know or not what's coming. And they know what's coming, but like legally, they're not supposed to know. They're not supposed to know what the unemployment numbers are before the unemployment numbers are released publicly. Nobody's supposed to ask because you can. If you were unscrupulous, if you were a politician, you could do what members of the House of Representatives do. If you know the night before that the unemployment numbers are going to be really one way or the other out of the ordinary or miss the projections, you could make. you could position yourself financially with your stock trades, your 401ks, whatever, to make sure that you are um, that you are uh, taken care of, that you get rich, right? Richer, I guess I should say. And so legally, they're not supposed to know and nobody's supposed to. There are a few people who know, obviously, the night before, but they are not made aware of it. They are not allowed to talk about it by law. So there's that, which is actually a good thing. But you can see what's coming. You know what's coming. They have access to all the numbers before the final number is calculated. They know what's coming. And so in preparation for this 9.1 number, which again is higher than what was expected, Brian Dees, the uh, Biden whisperer when it comes to the economics, I tweeted out, quote, important context ahead of tomorrow's CPI release, Consumer Price Index. Headline inflation from last month will be significantly affected by stale gas price data. Retail prices have declined from the June average, and declining oil prices and gas futures suggest they have further to fall. They have... They have, they suggest it's kind of stabilized about 40 cents cheaper than it was at the height in June. I'm not sure I'd be bragging about that because that's still more than twice the cost of what it was when Joe Biden took office. But okay, baby steps, I suppose. Baby steps. But as I've just demonstrated to you, it is not just the price of gasoline that is up. The price of gasoline does impact everything. But the price of gasoline has not really fallen all that much because of anything the Biden administration did, see? 
It's falling because gasoline is priced in the futures market. There is significant and real fear of a recession. That spooks the market. That causes prices to go down some. You also have, because of the high prices, a decrease in demand. Naturally, if something costs a dollar, people are going to buy a lot of it. It's a dollar. Suddenly that goes up to five dollars. People are going to go, wait a second, we can't afford we can't afford that. People need some time to adjust at a minimum. Other times they simply can't afford it, period. So these people trying to pretend they say retail gas prices, this is Brian Deasian, have declined 5% from June average, and oil prices suggest refineries have room to further uh, reduce their price this month. Refineries don't set the price. The market sets the price. 5% is good. It's a baby step, but 5% in one area of the economy, especially in an area of the economy that year over year is up 60%. We're not talking five percentage points. We're talking 5% of that 60% increase. (laughs) It's not five percentage points. Is uh, Certainly nobody's going to sniff at it. Any decrease is good, but it is not a deal maker. It is not a difference breaker. It's that uh, that's not the way it works. So you can sit there and say, well, it's bad. It's bad. It's much worse than bad. The policies of this administration have made things much worse than bad. And the policies of this administration are seemingly designed expressly to perpetuate these bad policies. They're still out there trying to push for more spending. That's their priority. More so we can spend our way out of this. The expected number, by the way, was 8.8%. It went 9.1%. That's a pretty big miss in the grand scheme of things. Month over month, it was expected to be 1.1%, just meaning over the just the last month, how much money you lost if you didn't get a raise of more than 1%. 1.1% was expected, and 1.3% was what we got, again. Not a significant, not an insignificant miss when you're talking about the course of one month and the price of everything. This is big. This is bad. This is hurting people. Unless you got almost a 10% raise last year, you're operating at a loss. Unless your income increased by more than 9.1%, and if it was 9.2%, ooh, I got a 9.2% raise. Congratulations, you got a 0.1% raise. That's nothing. It is pretty significant. You are operating at a loss compared to where you were last year. You go back to the last year of the Trump administration, and it's even worse. You're taking a loss. You're operating at a loss. And you wonder why suddenly Joe Biden is now in the Middle East. It's kind of funny. You want to know how pathetic this administration is and how bad this administration is at messaging and how bad the message that they have to to sell, the turd they have to polish. You want to know how bad it is. Joe Biden is in the Middle East right now. There's also, he's not shaking anybody's hands. He's doing fist bumps as he's getting off the, the uh, Air Force One. It's embarrassing watching this guy go around the world. But the reason he's doing fist bumps is not, oh, fear of COVID, fear of COVID. 
hand sanitizer, you don't get COVID through your skin. All right. Now, if you shake hands and then you immediately start licking your hand, somebody coughs into their hands and then shakes your hand and then you lick their, your hand. Yeah, it's probably not good. You're going to get some communicable diseases that way. But if you go out and you shake hands, you don't lick that hand. You resist the urge to lick that hand and you wash it and or use hand sanitizer. You're not going to get sick off of it. COVID doesn't burrow through the skin. Just doesn't. But because they've made such a stink about uh, Mohammed bin Salman, I can't remember these people's names, Mohammed bin Salman, the uh, king of Saudi Arabia, or whatever the hell his official title is, the prince, who knows, they make these things up. The guy who allegedly ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, who was the left's favorite journalist nobody ever heard of until he was killed, um, because he didn't want to shake his hand They've announced that he's not shaking anybody's hand. He's not shaking anybody. He's just fist bumping. And he looks like a damned fool. He looks like a... He got off the the airplane, I believe, in Israel. And he's fist bumping people. Like, come on. They're extending their hands. It's a beautiful, sunny day. They're not wearing... It's not... Oh, I'm scared of COVID. COVID protocols. Really? Why why aren't you wearing a spacesuit, dude? Why? And if, if you're fist bumping... I don't know if you know this, Joe, but if you cough into your hand, some of that cough gets on the back of your hand. Yeah. You're going to die because you got COVID on the back of your hand from a fist bump. It's just so damn stupid. But they don't want to even have to explain why they shook uh, hands with Khalid Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Mohammed bin Salman or whatever. I, again, can't keep track of these names, but... It doesn't matter. He's the leader of Saudi Arabia. We don't have a say in the leader who the leader of Saudi Arabia is. We need Saudi Arabia. We need Saudi Arabia because of the horrible policies of Joe Biden, by the way. If he hadn't come in and decimated the oil and gas industry, we wouldn't need Saudi Arabia. It wouldn't matter who the leader of Saudi Arabia is or how despotic they were. We might even be able to punish them for executing somebody who wasn't an American citizen but was living in the United States at the time. And uh, we could have maybe imposed some... Now we can't. We got to suck up to him. So awesome work there, Joe. Great work. So, you know, the big story today, year-over-year inflation, 9.1%. They always say that the Biden-Harris administration is historic. They are. They really, really are historically bad at everything. And if you think this is, you know, it's funny. These numbers came out after the polling data from the New York Times where Joe Biden has 33% approval rating. 33% approval rating. This isn't going to help that. There's nobody who's going, oh, all right. Well, I was afraid it was going to be 10%. All right, good, good. Now I support Joe Biden. Now I think Kamala Harris is the greatest vice president ever. That's not the way this works. These numbers don't, these numbers, actually the polling data reflects what people were feeling in their lives, what people were feeling already. You go to the grocery store and you're paying twice as much or 50% as much, or whatever it is, or you're having to things you used to be able to buy, you're going, all right, well, maybe we won't have that this week, or maybe we won't have that this month. Maybe we'll go without this thing. 
You see those things. You don't need the consumer price index to tell you that things are more expensive, that this president is a failure. You know it. It's being reflected in it. Now, who are these 33% who are going, you know what, it's, I actually like paying twice as much for meat. I enjoy the taste of meat, but I enjoy barely being able to afford it more. Maybe there are people out there, there are all sorts of people out there, people out there with pet snakes. So, you know, there's all sorts of people out there. But in the grand scheme of things, the American people, the polling data know, shows exactly as much as they try to polish this turd, as much as Brian Dees and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, who said yesterday, she's historic, by the way, who said yesterday that you know the, the consumer price index is, is going to be a false number. It's going to be falsely high because it includes gas prices. Like, mm, Here's a pro tip for everybody out there, by the way. just occurred to me that maybe people don't know this because it doesn't seem as though the people who advise the president on economics know this and it doesn't seem as though the mouthpiece for the president of the United States knows this. So just so you know this, the consumer price index has always included gasoline. It's not something new. And it's always included gasoline. So it's not like they just threw this in there and go, oh, man, this is going to really cause those numbers to be out of whack. No, this is how the number has been calculated since the number's been calculated. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just saying. The truth sometimes gets in the way of these leftists, and it's a real shame. But... I love it when it happens because these people deserve to be called out. These people deserve to be mocked, not just by me, but by everybody under the sun. Oh, this is going to include gas prices. So you got you to factor in that this includes gas prices. You mean like it always has? You mean like it always, like when Joe Biden was, remember when Joe Biden was trying to blame this all on used cars? This is all, all the inflation, 60% of the inflation is just used cars used cars uh it wasn't remotely true then again the calculation of inflation always had included the cost of used cars so if used cars it's not like used cars have gone up but boy the price of steak has gone down steak fell 25 percent but used cars went up 100 percent. that's why you're getting these inflation everything was up across the board people know this people aren't as stupid as democrats need us to be and joe biden is it's funny it's true now on inflation it is interesting just to uh, not to be conspiratorial here i'm not conspiracy i'm not a a big black helicopter type of person although most people don't know the black helicopter thing that reference comes from the 1992 election ross h ross perot remember can't finish can't i finish he was, yeah, God, if, you, if he could have controlled himself, he might have won. He might have won. He was doing really well, and then he said that he uh, was dropping out of the race. People forget that he dropped out of the race for a couple, I think it was a couple weeks, because he'd said that uh, George H.W. Bush, President Bush, was threatening, some, if I remember correctly, threatening to disrupt his daughter's wedding or something like that. Uh, there were black helicopters going to come and disrupt his daughter's wedding. And people said, all right. And he dropped out. And then a couple of weeks later, he came back. Apparently, the wedding went off without a, a hitch or a helicopter. And he came back. And after that, people said, 
that's that's nice. We got nineteen or seventeen percent of the vote. Prevented Bill Clinton both times from getting fifty percent of the vote, which to this day still bothers him. So it was well worth it. But it was uh, very interesting because he he probably could have won. It's weird and it's quaint now. And you sit there and you think he had was his net worth like three or four billion dollars at the time, and his idea was so radical. Remember, Republicans and Democrats are going, we're going to worry about the uh, the deficit. We're going to take care of the deficit. Deficit. Def- now, the deficit and the debt are two different things. Deficit is the annual um, debt you roll up, the budget deficit. I made $100,000 this year, and I spent $120,000. Well, $20,000 is your annual deficit. You do that for 10 years, and your debt is $200,000. Well, while Republicans and Democrats were going, we need to get the deficit under control, Ross Perot came in and said, I got a plan to pay off the national debt inside of four years. We're going to pay off that whole national debt. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you can't do that. It would ruin the economy. It'd take the... Blah, blah. Now it's so quaint. I don't even know that the national debt was a trillion dollars at that time. If it was, it was barely over a trillion dollars back in 1992. If we'd have paid it off, if we, because well, if you paid it off, I don't think Ross Perot would have said, all right, now we paid it off. Let's go hog wild and start spending like crazy and rack it up again. That'll be fun. I don't think he would have done that. I think he might have set the country on a path that certainly they wouldn't have been long-term fiscally responsible and operated within their the money that they budgeted. But they wouldn't have gone so absolutely crazy. They would not have gone so absolutely crazy. We wouldn't be staring down the business end of a 30-plus trillion dollar national debt and you know 9.1% inflation which by the way I'm just going to tell you bogus now they they cooked the books to get it down that low they cooked the books to get it I just I guarantee it I don't have my spidey senses tingling they cooked the books to get it down that low because that's how it works that's how all of this works so yeah such a mess but Joe Biden is right now he's over in Israel He's over there for a Mideast summit. And this was planned. There was a story. You want to know how desperately Joe Biden wanted to be out of the hemisphere for this number because they knew it was going to be bad. They could have scheduled this this trip to the Middle East for a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. I think remember when Joe Biden was over in Europe, palling around with all his fellow socialists, going, ha, 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 we're awesome, we're awesome, we're awesome. And he said, no, we can't, uh, can't do that. We gotta, they said we could, you know, if you were at all interested in the greening of the United States, the greening of the world, being green itself, you wouldn't take the entourage and the massive carbon footprint with which the president must travel to Europe and then back home and then back to the Middle East. Because the Middle East is pretty much, you know, north, a little bit east. Um, but uh, or the Middle East is south, but a little bit east of Europe. You could have gone right over there. The world leaders with whom the president is meeting now would meet whenever the president wants to meet with them. That's the power of the United States, at least for now. Joe seems to be trying to squander that. So if he says, hey, I'm going to be in Europe in uh, mid-June and uh, I'm going to be done with the G7 and all this stuff, and then I'll come down there. 
everybody would go, well, we will adjust our schedules accordingly. They are not Democratic United States senators or candidates for the United States Senate or Stacey Abrams where they go, ooh, I don't want to be seen with this guy. Scheduling conflict, not going to be able to make it. Sorry, dude. They're not them. That's Democrats in this country. Around the world, they are very dependent still on the United States of America, economically, for defense in a lot of cases. So they would have made the appropriate adjustments to their schedule to accommodate the president of the United States. But that would have put Joe Biden back in this country for today, and he would have had to answer some questions or his staff would have. The narrative, the main story would be what the main story is, only bigger. So they had to get him out of here. So the story they cooked up, and maybe it's partially true, but if he needs this much time then he needs to resign from office right now. The story, as reported by the New York Times this week, is that his staff, Joe Biden's staff, likes to factor in and bake into the cake some rest periods. Presidenting is hard work. They don't like, Joe likes to be done with his day by 5 or 5.30, you know. That's so they've got to accommodate for he shows up in the office's presidential daily briefing is usually around between 930 and 1030. So he's not a super early riser either. I say he likes the trappings of being president. He's not necessarily too keen on the job. So they said he needed time off to recover from the summit he went to. Now, I just want to remind you that it was an economic summit and a national security summit with allies. There were no adversaries there with allies of the United States that they're saying he needed three weeks to recover from that is pretty frightening. Okay, if it were a cardio summit, I could see that, you know, an 80-year-old dude needs some, some time to bounce back, especially before attending the next cardio summit. But it wasn't a cardio summit. It wasn't a weightlifting summit. It was a barely burning calories and you really only burn them when you stand up from the chair and you all walk around like you're the the reservoir dogs for a photo op on the beach or whatever they did this time. No, that's it. If the president of the United States needs three weeks downtime to recover from that, and that's the official White House story, we're in worse shape than we know. But the reality is that Joe Biden just wanted to be the hell away from here when these numbers came out. He didn't want to be anywhere near them. He wanted to have something out there that he can distract for and watch out for what he comes up with. I'm going to go out on a limb here. As these numbers begin to digest, it's only the middle of the week. I suspect that Joe Biden will give a speech where he he says something hypercritical of Saudi Arabia, because that's what the left cares about. It's what the radical left cares. They don't really want the oil from Saudi Arabia. They don't really care all that much that gas prices are through the roof. They care deeply about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, who wrote like five pieces for the Washington Post. They care very much about this guy. They they couldn't pick him out of a lineup. If you said his name, they wouldn't know what the hell you were talking about while he was alive. But because they hate energy, they hate energy independence, they hate our ability to, uh, to power our lives, 
They want a scalp. They want something. Well, Joe Biden isn't going to go over there and really totally kneecap Saudi Arabia. He's not going to go and commit complete and total political suicide. But what he will do is he'll go over there and he'll make some sort of harsh statement. You watch to try to make that the story. And the left will try to accommodate him. Oh, he's so brave. Over in the Middle East, on Saudi soil, he criticized the king of Saudi Arabia. Oh, he's such a hero. No, not really, because I bet you, dollars to donuts, this is a telegraphed punch. If the Saudis haven't been tipped off, if it happens, the Saudis will have been tipped off. And if they weren't tipped off, they should be able to see it coming. Honestly, they should be able to see it coming. You know, you don't want to go up to Mike Tyson. You, you, you don't want the left jab. You don't want, but you'll take the left jab over anything else. The the punch you got to fear is the uh, the right hook or the right cross, the right anything, really, the right uppercut. And so you'll uh, you'll take a jab. The Saudis will be more than happy to take that because at the end of the day, the United States, thanks to Joe Biden's policies, will still be completely dependent on foreign oil, particularly from Saudi Arabia. So Salman gets uh, a little chastising by an elderly white dude from the United States. The state-controlled media in Saudi Arabia largely shuts it down or downplays it. No big deal. And Joe Biden gets something. He throws red meat to his lackeys over here, his army of flying monkeys, to go, wow, Joe Biden is so brave. Meanwhile, nothing has changed for the better, and your life continues to get worse. Yeah. Life is about priorities. You ever get the feeling that maybe you're not any of the Democrats' priorities? Because you're not. Now, so I'm, while I, uh, I, God help us. I honestly, God help us. I'm sitting here and I look, I, I said earlier, Joe Biden is in Israel. I somehow missed this. He gave a speech when he got off the plane. He's reading it. There's a teleprompter and there's a, a printed copy or something because he's looking down at the podium, even though you can see the what looks like a teleprompter. Or maybe there maybe there was no teleprompter. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I will give him credit for catching this one. He caught this one. So there's that. I mean, I always say that a rational, sane person with a functioning brain catches when they make a gaffe. And Joe doesn't ever catch it. But he does occasionally. It's occasional. It's very occasional. And that's it. So in this sense, he did catch it. But it's one of those things where you're just like, dude, you shouldn't have made this one at all. You wouldn't have. Like, this is not a it's not a good one. What am I talking about? He's in Israel, so he's uh, talking about the uh, the Holocaust and visiting a Holocaust memorial. A little bit of pandering there, but eh, you got to do it. And he goes on to talk about keeping uh, alive the truth and the honor of the Holocaust. And then he catches it, because in the next sentence, there's a, well, listen to it for yourself, our president, ladies and gentlemen. I will once more return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem to honor six million Jewish lives who were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, 
continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, honor those we lost. See, now he, he caught it, but he really only caught it because the next sentence started with honor. Honor those we lost. He's like, oh, they wouldn't have probably used the word honor twice, and we got to keep alive the honor of the Holocaust in Israel. And you just sit there and you go, my God. All you got to do is not be an idiot. All you've got to do is not be an idiot for five minutes. For five minutes. You just have to not be an idiot and you can't do it. And you sit there. And I've told you the story about how the staff gets really, you know, nervous when he speaks. That story where I told you where they said that he needed time off after that grueling meeting, series of meetings for a couple of days. He needed three weeks from his trip to Europe. They also said that they, that story said that they, they get really nervous when he uh, gives speeches, especially when he starts going off the cuff. But even when he's reading the speeches, they get nervous because at any moment, as Barack Obama said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Joe Biden could screw up everything. I'd imagine half the time he, he tries to get out of bed and either gets stuck somehow in the sheets or falls out of bed. I'd imagine they have a, a series of pillows. When we go to a hotel, on the rare occasion we go to a hotel, the girls all pile and they're like, you know, we get a room with two full-size beds or whatever. And the one daughter, Bailey, is she just she has a risk of falling out. She's on the low bunk. She has a risk of falling out of bed. So what my wife does is she puts her on one side of the bed and, and puts pillows on the floor in case she falls out of bed. And she has. She's fallen on the pillows and not even missed a beat, not even woken up, falling onto these pillows on the on the floor. Because the, the hotel, the hotel is like, every hotel is like every chick's bedroom ever. They've got like 3,000 pillows. I don't get it. I don't know what you do with it. I need one pillow, all right? That's it. That's all I need. But they got eight pillows on the bed and then the decorative pillows and all, which is great if you're trying to keep a kid from preventing injury or waking up and you pad around the bed where the the kid is going to fall out of bed. Joe Biden, I suspect, is like that, that around the White House, as he goes to sleep, maybe there's some, they cut out a hole underneath the presidential bed and somebody stands in there and they wait for Joe to go to bed because they don't want him to know. And then after about five minutes, when they're sure he's asleep, when he's snoring or whatever, they slide from under the bed out these pillows on his side so that uh, he knows. And if he wakes or if he falls out of bed, he'll be taken care of. But then when it comes time that the staff is going to go and wake him up and it's time for his morning mush, they slide the pillows back under the bed and nobody's any the wiser. Could be. He just seems like one of those guys who needs protection from himself. Unfortunately, we do too. And while the White House staff is exceedingly good at protecting him from himself, they are less good at uh, protecting us from him. <sighs> Maybe we can get them to prioritize that. I'm gonna get, I'll get to this uh, law professor in a bit, but I want to, because the Biden administration is apparently, you know, COVID, they classified, the federal government classified as a medical emergency. And it was a national emergency and it gave the federal government all sorts of power states are doing it they've got all sorts of powers now the biden administration is apparently considering 
doing the same thing with abortion. Now, on what planet, in what world, in what way could abortion ever rise to that level? I don't know. But we're not dealing with people who are uh, all that interested in reality or honestly all that capable of dealing with reality, to tell you the truth. One of those people is Elizabeth Warren. As the president is sitting there screaming, they're all, it's a woke-off over there on the left. It almost seems as though the modern Democratic Party is a dare. There's just a dare. They're trying to figure out how crazy they can go before the American people completely reject it. Like a rate. How crazy can we get? What can we do? And they haven't hit bottom yet. They haven't found it. Elizabeth Warren, Massachusetts Senator, Native American, one of the first Native American United States Senators ever. <laughs> she's what, one, uh, one 1,024th Native American. And so she's been dining out on that ever since, which is nothing, by the way. You're, you are more than that. I don't know you. If you just got off the plane from Scandinavia, you're still you're still more Native American than Elizabeth Warren is. But even even Edgar and Johnny Winter have more Native American blood in them. Is that inappropriate? Probably. <clears throat> but it's a joke. Anyway, Elizabeth Warren is trying to I don't know she wants to be president of the United States. She ran last time. She did a horrible job. The Democrats said, Ugh, no thanks. But she still wants to be president of the United States. So she is engaging in this woke-off when it comes to abortion. Now, Joe Biden's thinking about emergency powers and all this, that, and the other thing. Other people, other people one of the ideas they're floating is uh, floating like on cruise ship style ships or maybe even military ships in the Gulf of Mexico, floating abortion palaces. I don't know what else to call them. Like that's how desperate they are. They're, they're that desperate. To get it. Like people would never be able to drive for a couple of hours to be able to get an abortion. I was watching some report. Here's how you know this is from the, the recount and this is how the left operates. They say, well, this person in Alabama would have to drive 400 miles and they draw a thing from the middle of Alabama, nowhere in Alabama, and they make a giant arc to the state of Florida, but not to the panhandle of Florida where you know, they could drive to the closest part to Alabama. They go to the middle of Florida, they draw this giant arc, and they say, ah, they'd have to go 400 miles to get an abortion. And you're going, well... Why would they go to the middle of the state of Florida from the middle? Of, why wouldn't they just go to the close? And that's what the 400 miles is. They're not lying about the distance, but they're trying to give the impression that it is this massive, vast distance of the from one state to another, whereas, you know, driving from parts of Alabama to Florida, not that far, not that far. Anyway, Alabama, that's just part of the disinformation. I will say I'm surprised at how the Roe protests, maybe it's being bottled up, maybe it's being saved for later, but they've kind of petered out. Have you noticed that? That's not that they're gone. They're not gone. The committed are out there. The, the army of flying monkeys will always do what they're told, and they'll keep the torch lit. I'm talking about the people that the Democrats need. The people out there are the people Democrats have. 
But the people the Democrats need beyond that, they seem to have lost interest. Now, no doubt in the fall, they'll find some other fake 10-year-old somewhere in the country to try and stir up outrage to get people motivated to vote. But as of now, it went much more smoothly than I thought it would, which I think is why the left is getting so crazy. It brings us back to Elizabeth Warren. There are abortion centers across the country, right in downtown Baltimore. I, It's not Charles. It's I think it's the next street over from Charles. Calvert, maybe. They, uh, they have a big Planned Parenthood right there. They're ready to, uh, to help any black person control the black population, as progressives have always wanted to do. It's why Planned Parenthood was started. But there are also crisis pregnancy centers that don't offer abortions. Now, you're not obligated to go into them. And if you go into them, you are no way obligated to stay inside them. You are free to leave. So if you are hell-bent on getting an abortion and you accidentally walk into a Christian crisis pregnancy center that says, no, please don't have an abortion, we'll, uh, we'll adopt the baby out. You don't have, if you just have the baby and then you don't have to worry about it. If you are so offended by that concept, you don't have to go. And if you find yourself in there, you're free to leave. Elizabeth Warren is offended that there are so many of these crisis pregnancy centers, not only in Massachusetts, but across this country, to the point that little Hitlerette over here with the bowl haircut from Massachusetts wants the government power to be used to forcibly shut them all down, shut them all down, which presents all sorts of legal issues and constitutional issues and moral issues and but totalitarians don't give a damn listen to her unhinged rant she's had so many unhinged rants lately i i if i cared about her i'd fear for her safety and well-being but i don't so it's kind of uh, amusing to watch in massachusetts right now those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. You should not, a pregnant person. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person. How do you fool people? All right, I'd like to get an abortion. All right, well, what, have you considered adoption? No, I want an abortion. All right, uh, knock three times on this wood, close your eyes, hold your breath for 10 seconds, and uh, poof, you've had an abortion. All right, there you go. Uh, whew, all right, is that how you fool people? They walk out thinking, I'm no longer pregnant. And then nine months later, surprise! So I'm not sure how else you would fool people. You go in there and they say, uh, you say, I'd like an abortion. And they say, we don't do that here, but we'd like to talk to you about other options. It'd take a special kind of stupid to go, wait, are you trying to trick me into thinking you don't do abortions? Do you really do abortions? What? Huh? It take us. I mean, granted, we're dealing with people in Massachusetts. We're dealing with Democrats. There is a high probability they are, in fact, that special kind of stupid. They did elect Elizabeth Warren a couple of times. But um, I don't think that's how it works. Yet there she is saying, we need to shut them down. We need to shut them all down. They're fooling people into this. How do you fool people into this? 
You go in pregnant, you come out pregnant. You come out with the impression you're not pregnant. Uh, that's a real special kind of stupid. Elizabeth Warren voter kind of stupid. Wait, we're, while we're talking about unhinged liberals, by the way, because we had um, Elizabeth Warren, we have Gavin Newsom. It's kind of it's funny watching him because last week he was running ads. He's so look, he's safe in California. There's no nowhere he's going in California. He's going to get reelected this fall. No, and California deserves what they get. Sorry, people in California. I know we got people who listen in California. Um, sorry, you're in the distinct minority, and you're not going to become the majority anytime soon. You're just not. If if they uh, if Democrats get reelected in the circumstances that they have created with the massive homelessness and uh, the COVID lockdowns, if if they still get reelected there. I don't know what to tell. I can't help you. Nobody can help you. And it's just you either have to leave or live with it. It's horrible. It's mean. It's na- I don't want to put it in a really mean, nasty terms, but that's the breaks, man. That's what you do. But anyway, the uh, governor out there, while running ads in Florida, saying, move, come to where the freedom is, go to the freedom... They're on the verge. They're about two weeks away from reimposing a, a, a mask mandate again out in California. Come to the freedom. Come to the freedom to cover your face. Yeah, Los Angeles County, the huge Los Angeles County, is, according to health officials, according to the L.A. Times and other outlets, are about two weeks away because of COVID spikes, COVID numbers. Yeah, COVID's still going on out in, in blue states, apparently. Now, New York, I told you yesterday, they've, they're they apparently brushing it off. New Yorkers are, I should say, not New York. But New Yorkers are saying they've had enough. Now, those you don't get much bluer than voters in New York. But they're sitting there and they're saying, I can't, I won't go back. I'm not interested in going back. So, sorry, you're on your own. You want to impose restrictions? Leave me out of it. Out in Los Angeles, there aren't. They don't have that independent spirit. They don't have. They just don't. Sorry to say, if you're in the L.A. area, you are not. Uh, you're the exception, probably, but you are not in an area that is known for their willingness to step up and say "buck the powers that be," which is really weird because the leftists really are nothing but their obedience monsters. They demand it. Said somehow they get the uh, this reputation of being rebels, of being rebels, of being. Oh man, they're so cool. They're so massive. They're so uh, they're the rock and roll people. No, they're not. They are the obedience people. Rage against the machine was out there pushing vaccine mandates. Rage Against the Machine was out there on behalf of the machine, <laughs> pushing, the, pushing the will of the machine. It's not raging against the machine. It's not raging at all. It's You're the machine, dude. They're, they're committed communists who live in gated communities who won't let you anywhere near their house. If you go on their property, you will be arrested for trespassing. 
from communists. So they are nuts. And you sit there and you go, well, they kind of, there comes a point where you have to say, you keep voting for Democrats, you get what you deserve. So California, I don't want to see mask mandates put back in there. I don't want to see people arrested or ticketed for violating mask mandates. But this is what you get when you keep voting for Democrats. I can't feel sorry for you. So, yeah, well, Gavin Newsom is saying, move from Florida to California. Maybe if you're in California, consider Florida. It's a lot more humid, but it's a lot more free. It seems like a fair trade to me. Speaking of, you know, liberals, this has to do with California, too, because they're part of it. But it's a demonstration of how liberalism, quite frankly, ruins everything it touches just ruins everything it touches starbucks star the old joke was everywhere you go there's a starbucks everywhere you turn around there's a starbucks they're opening up a starbucks inside the starbucks down the street that was the joke well they're starting to close some starbucks not because people aren't drinking coffee anymore although eh, they probably shouldn't i don't drink coffee i do just fine but you want to drink that Dirty water, dirty warm water, swill, knock yourself out. It just tastes gross to me. It smells great. It tastes gross. But CNN's reporting. Starbucks is planning to close 16 locations across various cities. Now, why? Sale of coffees down in the... No. They're citing safety concerns. Now, all of these places that I'm going to list in a minute have one thing in common, and I think you can probably guess what it is. As a quote, after a careful consideration, we are closing some stores and locations that have experienced a high volume of challenging incidences that make it unsafe to continue to operate, a spokesperson told CNN Business in an email. Now, I'll read that quote again because this is causing George Orwell to vomit uncontrollably in his grave. After careful consideration, we are closing some stores and locations that have experienced a high volume of challenging instances that make it unsafe to continue to operate. Challenging violence. A lot of violence. These cities have had violence. These stores have had violence. Now, where are these stores? Are they uh, Tallahassee, Florida, I'd imagine? Uh, maybe in West Virginia, anywhere, Texas, all over Texas, where where people are allowed to open carry weapons? Nope. Nope. They're not in, they're not in, they're not in red states. They're not in red cities. So they're double, double deep blue. The stores are in Seattle, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. And Portland, Oregon. They will be closed by the end of July. Isn't that nice? Those places ruled not only currently, but generationally by Democrats. Can't even have a coffee shop in them because they're too damned violent. The decision comes as Starbucks works to change the company's culture under interim CEO Howard Schultz. And as employees across the country vote to unionize. On Monday, a letter to employees, Debbie Stroud and Denise Nelson, both senior vice presidents of U.S. operations, discussed safety in Starbucks stores. They say employees are, quote, seeing firsthand the challenges facing our communities. Personal safety, racism, 
lack of access to health care, a growing mental health crisis, rising drug use, and more, they wrote, adding that with stores in thousands of communities across the country, we know these challenges can at times play out within our stores too. You got to give them credit. They're going out the way they came in. They're dancing with the girl who brung them. But the idea that they're going to go and liberal their way out of it. They're laying people off. They're laying... Washington, the Washington, D.C. location is in Union Station. Union Station is, for a lot of tourists, the first place that they see when they go to the nation's capital. It's not just for, you know, tourists don't, it's usually business people who take the trains out of Union Station. As a former regular train rider, I was there all the time. But some tourists do come in on the Amtraks or the Marks or the VREs, but the Red Line Metro is also a major, the major line in Washington, D.C. People flying into Reagan National Airport in Dullis take the metro in, and they want to, after checking in at their hotels, they want to go to the Capitol. They want to see that dome. Well, the metro at Union Station, the red line, is where you go when you come to Washington, D.C. and you want to go and see that Capitol Dome. That is, there's Capitol South, too. But Union Station is the Senate side. It's where the networks are. It's it's where people go. It's also, since most people stay on the red line, it's the easiest one to get there. They're shutting down that Starbucks because of too much violence in the area. The last time, it's been a while since I've been to Union Station. Last time I was down there, I guess it was probably February, maybe maybe January. Driving around, it was a nice sunny day. It was an oddly warm day-ish, relatively speaking, for a winter day. And I was struck, because I, I still love driving around Washington, D.C. You come across any street, it's set up in such a way that you're looking like down the street and you see that Capitol Dome, and you're like, uh, I still get in awe of that Capitol Dome. If I ever lose that awe of the Capitol Dome, I, I know I need, I'm doing the wrong. There's something wrong with me. If I, I look at that and I go, whatever. Even with Democrats in control of it, what that Capitol Dome represents still gets me. But I drove past Union Station because I, I had to go to the Senate for uh, personal reasons. Drove past the Capitol and drove past Union Station, and out in front of Union Station, which is a beautiful, beautiful building, if you've never been, uh, it might be too late, but look up pictures online. Maybe don't go, but look up pictures online. Uh, driving past there, there's a tent city out in front of it now. There's a tent city out in front of Union Station. It's a mini California right there. Now, I guarantee you that the people causing the violence at the Union Station Starbucks that is causing Starbucks to shut down their location at Union Station, the people causing the violence there are not on their way to the office and just a little short-tempered because their latte didn't have enough room for cream or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. One of them has whatever. I don't know coffee talk. I know the words. I don't know how they go together. But whatever it is, I guarantee you it is not the lawyer going a couple of blocks over to the Supreme Court to argue their case or submit their amicus brief. They're going, no, 
it is from that tent city in front of Union Station. That's where the problem is. Now, what about the compassionate Democrats? These jurisdictions are flush with what right now? All of them. Cash. Not because their economies are going so great, but because the Biden administration spent trillions of dollars throwing billions of dollars at cities, buying off them Democrats. Going, Here, uh, it's stimulus. It's COVID relief money. Here you go. Help, help, help. And they still, they haven't found a way to spend it all. You would think that the, I don't know, 100 or 200 homeless people in front of Union Station could be immeasurably helped, not by being put into a hotel or whatever. Oh, here, we'll take you out of the tent and we'll put you in a a crate or something. No. But with that money they've got laying around, they might be able to, I don't know, hire some mental health professionals, perhaps open up a mental health facility, a detox facility for the drugs that these people are clearly on. It seems as though the possibilities are endless when the budget is. But instead, what is this administration doing? The president of the United States is actively telling these cities and states, don't help. They're not telling them don't help the homeless. They're telling them take leftover, quote unquote, COVID money and use that to help women get abortions. Help women get abortions. Do whatever. Help women get abortions. That's the priority of Democrats. You've got a field of mentally ill people, not just in Washington, D.C., Los Angeles. You can find video after video after video of people driving their cars, and it goes on for miles, miles. People sleeping on the sidewalks in tents. They set up their tents on sidewalks, and you drive past it for miles. Democrat-controlled city, Democrat-generationally-controlled Democrat. And they've got money like crazy. And Gavin Newsom is he could he's so confident in his reelection and he should be. He could take some of that money that he's spending on television ads in Florida for a hypothetical twenty twenty four race and maybe try to help some of the people out there. Maybe try to create an environment in the city of Los Angeles where Starbucks isn't closing locations because there are physical threats to their customers and staff. From, again, I well, out in Los Angeles, it is a possibility that it would be somebody from the, you know, Hollywood being a complete jerk. But it's more than likely from junky homeless people. Whether they're homeless because they have a mental illness or because they are addicts, it doesn't matter. They need help. Yet the compassionate Democrats are doing what? They aren't doing anything. They're actually considering in California and other deep blue states, they are considering putting together funds to fly women from elsewhere in the country to their states and put them up and help them probably by paying for their abortions. That's their priority. Not you, not your safety. Unless you want an abortion. But after you have the abortion, they don't really give a damn. In Portland, it's Antifa goons and homeless, insane junkies. They don't care. I'm surprised. Honestly, to be truthful with you, in major cities controlled by Democrats, I have no idea why. I mean, Starbucks is there. I know why they're there. They're there because that's where the money is. That's where the, the people are. But every time there is anything that goes on, 
a sports team wins a championship, a sports team loses a championship, whatever it is, these leftists get set off. The first thing they do is march towards a Starbucks and smash it up. It's always the, I'm surprised New York isn't on the list, but they, uh, they do, they trash it. The insurance for Starbucks alone has to be through the roof. So congratulations, Democrats. I know you love Starbucks because Starbucks gives a ton of money to Democrats and uh, it is a very liberal, woke corporation. They're railing against racism. Uh, racism has n- not been the reason that they're... Well, maybe racism has been the reason that their employees have been attacked. But because they uh, haven't publicized explicitly, it might just be the wrong kind of racism, the kind of racism Democrats don't mind. Who knows? But uh, be ready for a whole bunch of leftists to go through caffeine withdrawals. It couldn't happen to a more deserving group of people. Now, let's time for crazy. Yes? <laughs> you make time for crazy, see? Yes? Crazy, crazy, cra- crazy is as crazy does. It's very much like stupid in that respect. It is a bizarre world in which we live where we have adult human beings actively pretending that they have seriously suffered a massive closed head injury and no longer operate on this plane of existence. Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing yesterday. They've been doing hearings. Democrats are holding every hearing they possibly can about abortion. They think that this is the pressing issue. 9.1% inflation. Democrats, let's have another hearing on Roe. Let's do that. Uh, Okay. How much gas is that going to put in people's tanks to get to work? None. How's that going to affect that price? How's it going to feed a family? No, it's not. It's just going to placate your rabid base, who really just seems to have nothing better to do than worry about whether or not children are born. Okay? Oh, to have that much time on our hands. But the Senate Judiciary held a uh, hearing about abortion. One of the witnesses called by Democrats... This is their own team. Of all the 330 million people in this country, Democrats thought that uh, Professor Kira Bridges, I assume that's how you pronounce her name. I don't have enough respect for her to bother looking it up. But it is is spelled K-H-I-A-R-A. Kira Bridges. She's a law professor at, uh, of course, UC Berkeley, Berkeley, California. How these people, they gravitate to these things. And if you're an alum, isn't there? And if you give any money to your college, I don't know what's wrong with you. Just don't. Just don't do it. Send me the money. I'll take the money off. I'll unburden. If you got extra money where you're like, you know what? I want to get rid of this. some of the, I was checking a bank account today. There's too much money in it. What can I do? I'll give it. I'll tell you what. I'll give. I'll give it to the place that I already gave thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. That'll that'll do it, right? That that'll help. I'll give it to the place that uh, makes the national inflation rate look small. By respect, they. No matter how much money you guys, these universities are given, they'll hire another diversity officer and raise tuition by fourteen percent. So stop giving them money. If you have extra money, I'll unburden you of it. Send it to me. Reach out. We can talk. We can set up a a drop. Or we can do a wire transfer. Whatever is best for you. But these people at these colleges, they get their jobs and they can't lose their jobs. Can you lose your job? I bet you can lose your job. 
everybody else, normal people can lose their jobs. But uh, Democrats have found a way to metastasize their belief systems into the professions that you really just can't fire anybody from. It's weird how that works. Anyway, Kira Bridges was up there talking about abortion. I wonder how many... She had two nose rings, as most law... You know, I guess maybe the law professor rating system has changed since I knew about it, and they now go by nose rings. So she's got a two nose ring rating, the coveted three and four... The three nose ring rating and the eyebrow piercing is, of course, the pinnacle of the profession. Anyway, she was being questioned by Texas Senator John Cornyn. And she she has an attitude. She is mad at being there. Well, she's not mad at being there because she didn't have to go. She was invited by Democrats. She is mad at having to answer questions from Republicans, particularly white Republicans. They're the worst, right? And she has an attitude in everything she talks about. And she is asked by John Cornyn about the value of life and when life gets a value in her eyes. One would think she would be able to answer this question, but she chooses not to. If a Republican witness were to ever act this douchey, there would be all hell breaking loose. And Democrats would probably try to move to hold that person in contempt of Congress because it's a Democrat, a woman of color, and a left-wing nut job who doesn't know what the hell a woman is. She's cool with it. But in this answer, in this exchange here with John Cornyn, she doesn't use birthing people. She doesn't use woman. She would never use woman. Woman doesn't exist anymore, even though she's a woman, although technically, who knows? Um, listen to this exchange. I'm setting it up too much. Lead lives that are filled with dignity and humanity. And that to means your, being to able your way to, of thinking, that happens when more black babies are aborted. I believe, I trust, I love black people with the capacity for pregnancy. I think they have agency, they have intelligence, they know what is best for themselves, and I would love to create the conditions under which they can live lives that are filled with dignity and humanity. And do you think a, do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value? Yes. Do you think that a... Um, a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. They no, have I'm dignity. talking about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with a capacity for I'm, pregnancy. You're not answering the question. I'm asking. I'm, you I'm, think answer, that a, I'm answering you, a more interesting you think question that, to you me. You think that a baby that is not yet born, let's say the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? I think that the person with the capacity for pregnancy has value and they have the they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. Well, and and I just note you refuse to answer the question. Yeah, person with capacity for pregnancy. I love black people with a capacity for pregnancy. I love well the people with capacity for pregnancy can do women. Women. There's a there's an easy name for that. But the left is ruled by their fringe. Like I said, that Afghan. You get an Afghan, you start pulling the thread out, you pull the thread out, sooner or later, all you've got is fringe. As Democrats have embraced the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs of the world, they've pulled more of the yarn out of the Afghan, and all they are left with is the fringe. And what's weird is there's been almost no pushback on this. No pushback at all of anybody going, you know... I don't think we should embrace the idea of abortion up to the moment of birth. You know, six months. You know, most people think 
three months is enough. But you say six months. You don't want to give throw a bone to the radicals. You say, all right, well, six months. Make it. Make up your mind. Poop or get off the pot. But they can't. They won't because of people like this professor, Kira Bridges. She'll accuse you of being a racist. She'll accuse you of being a transphobe. That leads us to Senator Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley comes up next and he goes, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Why can't you just say women, basically? And this horrible creature of a law professor, can you imagine this being your professor? What a horrible existence you have. Just an awful, awful person. She goes, oh, you're a transphobic. You're otherizing this. You're Listen to this exchange. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Meske, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's, uh, it's We can it's recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think can <laughs> so. Get you are denying that trans people exist, like and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're a- opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot just I know. in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. I I can't say what I want to say. <laughs> But you listen to that exchange and you just think this is a horrible person whom, to whom bad things deserve to happen. Like, honestly, the attitude alone, a, an honest chair of this committee would gavel this witness down and say, you know, answer the question or don't answer the question, but you have to watch the attitude. This is the United States Senate. Show some respect. Dick Durbin doesn't do that. Dick Durbin don't play that game. He is the most appropriately named man in the United States Senate for a reason. But I promise you, promise you, Dick Durbin is sitting there during this exchange. He thinks she's crazy too. I promise you, he thinks it, he knows it, because she is. She's nuts. But he's afraid to say anything. The Democratic Party has moved to that point that they have to sit there as somebody goes, well, a person with a capacity for pregnancy, uh, non-binary people can have babies, dudes can have babies. No, they can't. There's no such thing as a trans man. There's somebody is transvestite, they dress up as a, but they, they're just playing dress up. You can have uh, surgery, get parts moved around. You're never going to be a man. 
You can play one on TV. It doesn't matter. There's reality, and then there's what you want. And I'm sorry, but you can't change reality just because you don't like it. Reality is not dependent upon your like in it. There are plenty of things in my reality, in your reality, in everybody's reality that we wish were not so, that simply are. You have no ability to change reality outside of you. You can make everybody say, no, 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 lady, you're a man. You're totally a man. You're a, you're a man with a capacity for pregnancy. Oh, boy, how are you such a man? What a man. You're not a man. You know deep down you're not a man. And I think part of the reason why these people are so, these leftists, these lunatics are so militant about it is they know. They know it's not true. So they have to insist that more people do it in the hopes that they can maybe fool themselves. Come on, man. No, no, no. There's, uh, there are non-binary people. who have, Are they, they women? They have uteruses, right? They have uh, 2X chromosomes? Yeah, they're women. Doesn't matter what their haircut is. Doesn't matter what pronouns they make up for themselves. Doesn't matter which bathroom they go into. Doesn't change anything. If they have the lady parts and the, the men parts get in there, there's a capacity for pregnancy, right? That's a woman. No man will ever know what it's like to be pregnant. No man will ever know. Oh, no, you can't say that. You, you can't say that now. You can say it. Just say it. Stop being so cowardly. Josh Hawley handles this brilliantly in a mocking tone of, you are an insane person. You deserve ridicule and scorn, professor. You're a joke. Is this how your class... No, no, we have fun. My... No, I guarantee you, she is a power-tripping professor you don't want to be anywhere near. You do not want to take her class if you do not agree with her 100%, because you will never hear the end of it. I bet sitting in her class is like sitting in the, the green room at MSNBC at the same time while like, uh, oh, who are the horrible people? <laughs> There's so many horrible people. Ibram Kendi's sitting there with you and uh, not even Caitlyn Jenner's too, too sane on this issue. There is no equivalent. Chris, Chris Hayes and Ibram Kendi are sitting there just yelling at you in the green room of MSNBC, and that's her class in law school. What what kind of class, what can you learn from a professor of law? I guess you learn how to BS, right? I, as a lawyer, I'd imagine being able to BS is a pretty useful skill, so you can sit there and look at something that clearly is and insist that it is not. And so if you're a, a law student, going to be a lawyer, That'd be a pretty helpful skill to have. No, 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 no. It is the fault of the hot dog vendor that my client got so absolutely hammered that they vomited uncontrollably over the railing at uh, the baseball stadium and then fell over. So that's why we had to sue the parking lot attendant, the hot dog vendor, and the team itself. They all contributed in their own special way. It's a garbage argument, but you sue everybody involved with the stadium because they'll go, well, I could either pay... $20,000 to fight this, or I can write a check for $5,000 and make it go away. Let's just write the check for $5,000. You have to, I assume, train for that. You also have to train your body to the ability to not convulse violently 
over being that type of person. So the more you get used to that, the better off you'll be. So maybe it is really useful skill to have as a lawyer, to be a complete and total scumbag who uh, is disrespectful uh, at t- in the halls of Congress and uh, just lies. Just Because I don't believe for a second... She's a law professor. It means she went, she's educated. Bridges. She's educated. She can't be that stupid, can't she? Yes, there are a lot of people educated beyond their intelligence. But this is, this is a level of lack of intelligence that you'd have to be thankful, grateful. Every day you wake up and you thank God that breathing is a reflex. Because if you're dumb enough to believe the things coming out of this Cal- UC California Berkeley law professor's mouth... You would forget, if breathing weren't a reflex, you would forget to breathe. You would suffocate yourself walking down the street. Everyone, oh, wait, what's going on? Oh, wait, yeah, I got to breathe in and out. And then you would forget again because you'd have to be that stupid to believe this person with a capacity for pregnancy, person for a capacity for pregnancy. I promise you, as stupid as that sounds, you remember birthing people a year ago. When these testimony, these up on the hill again, people were talking about birthing people, birthing people, birthing people rather than women. Person with the capacity for pregnancy is probably going to overtake that. You sit there and if you're a woman and if you're a happy woman, if you're proud to be a woman, if you're a mother, you are being snuffed out like a an old Marlboro that's down to the butt. You're just being smushed out. You don't matter anymore. You're being otherized. Oh, no, he couldn't possibly talk about this in terms of this person being tranny because that will upset the people. Uh, what, what, 0.03% of the population? Instead, you got to take 51% of the population and snuff them out. Nice compromise. But while the left is slowly embracing insanity, the media is right there with them. Right there with them. And it's really... God, it's, they're so bad. You look at uh, this professor and you go, she deserves bad things to happen to her. She's polluting. People are paying her. She's paid a lot. You're a law school professor. You're getting paid a good good chunk of money. And to be this, you, what do you think the people who run Berkeley are doing? Thinking, going, watch. Oh, we're so proud. It's a shining moment for the world. We got this woman who works for us. They're going to be testifying before a nationally televised audience on on abortion, boy, how do you, oh wait, no, what did she say? Dudes are going to get pregnant? Huh? Oh, crap. Now, of course, the cocktail circuit in Berkeley will be uh, ecstatic, and she will be the belle of the ball. She has even more job security now than she had before, because the professor will, and the, the administrators are all happy about it. But if anybody's sitting there thinking about, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, enrollment going up, I'd imagine there are a whole bunch of parents out there whose kids were thinking about maybe uh, go to UC Berkeley, Junior could go there, legacy, whatever. And they look at this and they go, yeah, no, you're not, no, no. Apply somewhere else. I'd rather you go to the Caribbean and get a medical degree from some dude eating coconuts than have you go to UC Berkeley. So no, I'm out. That sort of mentality. But then you get to the media. Not only are they not making a big deal out of this story or really seem to care about it, they agree with it. Oh, yeah, no, can you believe transphobe? 
My God, what a transphobe. Right there. Josh Hawley might as well come out and say that he does not wish to have uh, carnal knowledge with a trans woman. You sit there and you go, wait, you do the math. Yeah, no, I'm talking about a dude in drag. But the left does believe that if you do not even open yourself up to the possibility of dating somebody who is pretending to be a woman if you're a straight man, that you are a transphobe, that it is transphobia. Yeah, that's great. Well, you buy a Lamborghini, it's just got a uh, a Yugo engine in there, okay? It's still a Lamborghini, isn't it? No, it's not a Lamborghini. It's a, No, no, you can't race it. Anyway, the Hill newspaper, they have a headline today on this similar issue. The headline is so... Typical of the left, to be honest with you. House GOP embrace attack on trans athletes in women's sports. House GOP embrace attack on trans athletes in women's There are a million ways to frame this story that don't literally uh, pucker up and plant your lips on the rear end of the Democratic Party and establishment. That ain't the way to do it. Sorry, House Republicans are zeroing in on federal restrictions on transgender athletes competing in women's sports. The latest indication that the priority issue for social conservatives is becoming a GOP litmus test. It's a GOP. You got to love this. It's all the social issues. The GOP litmus. Those damn GOP. Um, There is Republicans. There are Republicans who look at this and go, I don't care this the federal government doesn't need to be doing this so on and so forth and then there are democrats where if you think that you know a six foot five dude swimming against five foot eight girls and beating them by three and a half days might be a little bit because of the testosterone that was around when he was building his body and his muscles you are not welcome in the democrat party there is no There is complete adherence to that idea in the Democrat Party. You want to talk about a litmus test? It isn't a litmus test. It is a fact of nature. You cannot disagree with it. A litmus test implies that they ask people and and people think about it. And they get, well, if you're against us, we, uh, we can't like you. But if you're for us, we're with you. The Democrats don't even have that option. They're not allowed to think. They are not permitted to think. It is straight up your Democrat. Uh, the person standing up at the urinal next to you is a beautiful woman, a gorgeous, beautiful woman. And if you don't want to take her home tonight, you are a transphobe monster, horrible person who needs to have their whole life destroyed. That's just the science of the things. And you're sitting there and you're going, what in the hell? How does this work? How does somebody make this decision, make this declaration? Oh, it's those damned Republicans. They've got this litmus test. When the rest of the world is going, Leah Thomas literally dives about six foot further into the swimming pool than any woman out there. Right? Seems Seems like a bit of an advantage to have that wingspan, to have had 20 years of testosterone, coursing through his veins, building muscle. And no, no, you can't. No, because once you declare yourself, oh, so declarations 
simply override nature now. Is that is that how it is? Is that how it works? So if Brett Kavanaugh says, I'm non-binary or I'm gender fluid, will the radical leftists who are trying to kill him or at least torture him and his family, will they suddenly back off? Or will the left come out and say, uh, this is now a hate crime. We should probably go somewhere else. No, they won't do any of that. It doesn't matter. Look at what they do to Bruce or Caitlyn Jenner. Once he signed with Fox, it was game on. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner, sell out. Sell out. Not a real trans person. Well, snip, snick, snip, tuck, tuck. Yeah, more trans than most people. Yeah. Certainly, you could argue that Bruce Jenner had a hell of a lot more to lose than this law professor or any trans person out there. Certainly more than Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas was a crappy swimmer who wasn't even sniffing the podium. And now they're going around and he's beating everybody. So what did he have to lose? I bet you he wasn't super popular on the men's swimming team because he sucked. Not too many of the all-stars hang out with the bench riders. Sometimes it happens. Billy Martin and Mickey Mantle were friends. But in general, they don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. So you can sit there and you go, oh, Caitlyn Jenner is a monster and a sellout, but Leah Thomas is a lovely human being who who said what? Once you got the distraction out of the way and was able to live his true self and suddenly became the best female swimmer around but sucked as a man? I don't think so, because I bet you if all the men Leah Thomas used to swim against suddenly said, you know what? I, too, am a woman. Leah Thomas would start to suck again, right? Why? why? Transphobia? No, reality. Biology. The reality of biology. The reality of biology and any reality out there has no bearing on whether you believe in it or not. It just is. So while the left is uh, losing their mind on trans issues and going, oh, no, no, that dude is totally a chick, totally a chick. You know, I'll believe that when Bill Clinton starts dating, when one of Bill Clinton's side pieces is a dude. All right, then I'll say, wow, they really do believe this stuff. Until then, you know it's good. And one of, Eric Swalwell leaves his wife, not for Fang Fang, but for some dude in a wig. Then I'll go, wow, may, well, he's just dumb. He might do it. But, you know, he might be fooled. You never know. But then I'll start to believe it once these Democrats start doing it. Less than until I'm going to call BS on it. Just like the BS, look, I told you about the uh, the piece the other day that called the uh, Republican elected down in Texas, Myra Flores. She, uh, she's not really Latino. She's, uh, it was feisty conservative Latinos. They're, they're not really super Latino. They're not really. Well, now CNN has gotten in the game. They have a piece today by somebody named Raul A. Reyes. And, of course, Raul Reyes is a member of the editorial board at uh, USA Today, I believe. Is that what it is? The nation's hotel doormat? Yeah. Raul Reyes is an attorney and a member of the USA Today Board of Contributors. He writes frequently for CNN. His piece, these Latina GOP candidates are not the, quote, real deal. They're not, uh, look, they are, uh, 
what was it that Donnie Douche called um, Marco Rubio? Call him a coconut. It's a racial slur. It's a coconut. It's a racial slur for Hispanics. And you sit there and you go, how? I didn't know at the time either. I uh, liberals no liberals live and marinate in racial slurs. So when they let one slip, uh, you got to believe they knew what they were doing. A coconut is brown on the outside and white on the inside, right? That's the thing. That's what it is. And so Donnie Deutsch, Mister White Guy, said, "Oh no, no, this little coconut, Marco Rubio." Like, oh, so he's a sellout. He wants to be white. Is that, that's the implication? It's the polite way of calling a Hispanic person an Uncle Tom. Well, this, is, this is what the CNN piece is about. Conservatives are heralding them as real deal Republican candidates. They are seen as proof that the GOP can win over Latino voters. They are three Latinas from South Texas. Myra Flores, who won a special election to represent part of the Gulf Coast. Monica de la Cruz and Cassie Garcia, who are in congressional races in districts along the Mexican border. Myra Flores made history as the first Mexican-born woman to be elected to Congress. These women have drawn national attention for seeming to shatter the myth that Latinos generally vote Democratic. As Garcia recently told the New York Times, quote, the red wave is here. But... The rise of Flores, De La Cruz, and Garcia deserves to be seen in context. Context is very important when reality does not favor Democrats. Deserve to be seen in context. While these Latinas may be having a moment in the spotlight, they hold views outside the Latino mainstream. Their current prominence is more of a publicity coup for the GOP than an authentic reflection of Latino voters. Now, the real question I have is, does Paul Reyes, who I suspect he writes for CNN, he's a member, he writes for USA Today, I know the mentality of those publications. It is dogmatic left. So the real question is, does Paul Reyes believe this racist crap? Or I suspect he's, you know, pretty quick on the trigger to claim racism when dealing with anything uh, Republicans do or say about Hispanics, as long as those Republicans are white. I bet he's written about uh, how Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio aren't really Hispanic. Was, I don't know if I said Ted Cruz earlier. It was Marco Rubio that Donnie Deutsch called a, a coconut. But uh, I bet he's got a hair trigger to say, oh, this, re- Republicans are racist. Secure the border is code for uh, let's start executing Hispanic people. I bet he's written something similar along those lines there. So you got to wonder, did he come up with the idea for this piece? Or did CNN go, we need a piece that makes sure that uh, those Republicans, that that other Hispanics don't become Republican. Let's get, uh, let's get Paul Reyes, or Raul Reyes, to write that thing. Is he the useful idiot or is he the idiot? I don't know. Ah, oh, man. Let's, uh, I want to play you this PSA from, from New York City as we're running up against time here and just running out of time. New York is a mess. New York is a disaster. I don't know what the hell they're thinking with this thing. But the New York City Emergency Preparedness Department has put together a video for how to deal with a nuclear attack. Not kidding. Not kidding at all. Now, do they know something we don't? I I don't know. 
but it's a little bit disconcerting and it's bizarre too. If you're in New York or you're going to New York on vacation and whilst there, there is a nuclear attack on the city of New York or I guess the outskirts, the immediate outskirts to the west of New York and you see the flash I shouldn't laugh. It's a horrible thought, but they've—they're ready for you. Here's what you do. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay. So, what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one: get inside fast. You, your friends, your family. Get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two, stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you've got this. To make you feel better? That make you think, what the hell's going on in this world? In New York go first of all, go inside, get inside. Radiation fallout can travel. I mean, you don't want the, the dust, but you're get where's the get the hell out of town? I guess if you're not gonna be able to get the hell out of town if you just saw the flash, but my God, what's going on in New York? They got time to produce videos like this. They they still have that bodega worker in jail on murder charges <laughs> because why well because he's the wrong favored type of person for liberals to give a damn about and he killed somebody in the act of defending himself who is the most favored so you know good luck to you the best bet nuclear attack or not is to just avoid new york city altogether there you go there's your pro tip for the day ladies and gentlemen I appreciate the use of your ears. Thanks for listening. Go have some fun. Watch the news a little bit, but I'll watch it for you. We'll be back to discuss it all tomorrow.